Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Before we honor our graduates this morning, you turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And the verse we want to look at is verse 8. But first, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the privilege of studying your Word together. And as we study, we invite the Holy Spirit to unveil to our spirits the deep, rich treasures of your Word, to enlighten us and instruct us in the way of life that we may walk worthy of you unto all pleasing. We thank you, dear Father God for utterance, to proclaim with boldness and accuracy this knowledge of the truth that makes men free, believing that the Word will have its effect upon our hearts and minds and will change lives. It will not return to you void, but it will accomplish the purpose of your will in every life. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you believe that the Father loves you and that He cares about you and about every aspect of your life? How many of you believe that before He gave birth to you, that is, spiritually, He planned out your life and made provisions for your success. In other words, just as he did in the life of John the Baptist, called him before he, in his mother's womb, before he was even born. He had a plan and a purpose for his life. And I believe that's the case with all of our lives. He has a plan and a purpose. And every human life is valuable and precious in the sight of the Lord our God. Before he put man upon this earth, as a matter of fact, he made provisions, didn't he? He made provisions for his success, for his well-being. And then he made man in his image and likeness. Well, the same is true when he recreated our spirits. He made provisions for us to be successful. He planned out our lives. He gave our life purpose. And I believe the only way we can discover what his plan and purpose is for our lives is in Jesus. What about you? In Jesus. Because, you see, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the light. If you want to walk in the way that God has for you, you've got to walk in Jesus. If you want to walk in the truth of what life is all about, you've got to walk in Jesus. Amen? If you want to walk in the life, what is really the life, true life, eternal life, everlasting life, Zoe life, the life of God, you've got to walk in Jesus because Jesus is God's way, he is God's truth, he is God's life. And so we discover the purpose, the plan of God in Jesus for all of our lives, no matter who we are. Well, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, and look at verse 8, For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. And what that is saying is this. While we're living on earth in a physical body, we know that bodily exercise does profit us, doesn't it? Amen. As long as you're living in a physical body, it's good to keep that body in shape. It'll do you some good. Amen. But something will do you a whole lot better than that because, you see, the body is going to go back to the dust of the earth and have to be changed into an incorruptible body. But godliness is profitable unto all things. It affects us in this life in which we live and also, it says, in the life that is to come. In other words, when we get on the other side... 
physical exercise will profit you now, but spiritual exercise is what he is saying, will profit us in every area of our lives. And beloved, you're not going to discover what God's plan and purpose is without spiritual exercise. Exercising ourselves in spiritual things, in spiritual matters. It takes time, effort, and energy to follow Jesus, to discover the plan that God has for our lives in Jesus. It takes effort. It takes hard work. We've got to discover this on our own. I mean, every single one of us has to do it for ourselves. I can't expect you to seek God and His face for my life. I've got to seek God for myself, don't I? I've got to get before His presence and ask Him, Lord, what is it that you'd have me to do with my life? What course of action would you have me to take? Which way would you have me to go? I want to follow you. See, I've got to exercise myself in spiritual things, but I know this. If I do so, it's not going to just affect me in this life right now. It's going to affect me throughout eternity. If I just concentrate on exercising myself in natural things, that's all I'm going to have is natural gain. But if I'm going to exercise myself in spiritual matters, then praise God, that will affect me throughout eternity. It'll affect you throughout eternity. And so the Apostle Paul was trying to emphasize the fact that we must practice godliness. We must exercise ourselves in godly things. And I believe the most important thing is to discover what God would have you to do with your life in Jesus. So look, if you would, please, to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. Matthew 16, I believe this particular passage of Scripture reveals to us the criteria for following Jesus. Those of you that are out there, you're graduating either from high school or college or some technical school, trade school or whatever, and you're endeavoring to just get out there into the world and, and live, live your life. Well, I believe that God has a plan for your life. I believe that God has a purpose for your life. And if you've been following that already then you already have prepared yourself to a certain degree to step out there into the world and live for Jesus. To live in the way, to live in the truth, and to live in the life. This will help you if you are out there and you're confused and you say, well, I don't know exactly what it is that God would have me to do with my life. I have some ideas of my own. I have some desires of my own. I have some goals of my own. But I'm really uncertain as to whether or not God is in it. And I want to be certain. I want to be emphatic when it comes to this. And so I believe in Matthew chapter 16, verse 23, or 24 rather, we have the criteria revealed to us for following Jesus. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, this is Matthew 16, 24, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Well, first of all, the first step in following Jesus, following the way, the truth, and the life is what? The first step is to deny yourself. If we are really serious about discovering the plan of God for our lives individually, the very first step that we all must take is the step of self-denial. In other words, I've got to learn to be willing to give up my own ambitions. I've got to be willing, and I want you to notice those two words, be willing. I've got to be willing to set aside my own ambitions, my own aspirations, my own goals, my own pursuits. I've got to be willing. See, willingness is a condition of the heart and of the mind. It's a mindset that we develop. 
I've got to be willing, you've got to be willing to let go of whatever it is that we would want to do with our own lives. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that God's going to lead you in another direction. Let's say you've been studying to become a this, or you've been studying to become a that, or you have a desire inside yourself to do this in life. Well, God may be in that, and you may continue to flow with that. But you see, if you want to be certain, you've got to have a willingness of heart to say, Lord, if it's not your will that I do this, then I, as a willing vessel, will set that goal aside. I'll give up that small ambition. I want to know what you would have me to do. I want to be emphatic in it. I want to be precise. I want to live my life to please you and not myself. So I am willing. Remember what Jesus said when he came to the earth? I am not here to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Can you imagine what he could have achieved in the natural? Can you imagine what he could have accomplished in the natural? With all the wisdom and all the intelligence and all the abilities that he possessed? You think when Satan tempted him to follow him, do you think that wasn't a legitimate temptation? It really was. See, Jesus could have fallen just like Lucifer fell if he wanted to. But he didn't. He chose to do the will of God. It was a decision of his own will. To give up his own uh, ambitions, his own will. He says, I'm not here to do my own will. I am here to do what the Father would have me to do. And that decision took him all the way to Calvary. And we know that. Many obstacles stood in his way. And we know that. But still he stood against them all and followed God's will for his life. And you know, we've got to be willing to give up our own ambitions. We've got to be willing to set aside our own heart's desires. And, uh, and flow with what God would have us to flow with. I remember when uh, the call came up in, in my life. I remember I had to give up certain things that I was pursuing. You know, when you're at a certain place in life and things are going fine for you, things are going well, and you have a good job. I had a job that was paying me more money I ever made in my life. I had security because I had good benefits, better benefits than I ever had in my life. And I had all the work that I wanted. We were working six and seven days a week in the position that I had. I always got an extra turn. It didn't matter how much they worked. I worked one turn extra every single week. And so everything was fine. If they worked seven days a week, I worked seven days and a double. I mean, think about it. That was, you know, good as far as that, you know, in the natural was concerned. And when the Lord instructed me in the spirit to go to Rama Bible Training Center, it warred against my mind. You can understand that because logic will tell you don't do that. Reason will tell you, well, the best thing for you to do is stay, stay secure. You are secure now. Why would you want to give up all that? And you see, beloved, sometimes we make decisions just based on, on what we think in our own minds, what human reasoning would tell us to do. You know, we can just talk ourselves right out of the will of God. Did you know that? We can reason ourselves right out of the will of God. We can, if we want to. But you see, if you have a willingness of heart and mind to do what God would have you to do, then no matter what it may appear like in the natural, you're going to go what's on the inside of you and not what is on the inside of your head. Up here, what human reasoning would tell us to do. And that's exactly what he's trying to say here. If you want to really follow me, if you want to find the way, the truth, and the life, if you want to discover the purpose of God for your life, you've got to practice self-denial. And so I said, even though in the natural it appears as though I should stay, and even though human reasoning would tell me, man, just give it some time. You can make some good money right now, set some money aside. You put that money aside, you know, and then you're going to have a good little nest egg there. And then maybe the following year you can go to Raymond Bible Training Center or something like that. And, and who knows, if you work another good year, you can delay it for two years. And, you know, and it goes on and on. You can just talk yourself right out of the will of God. How many of you know the timing is important when it comes to following God? It's extremely important. It's essential. Well, I set aside all the voices of the world. I set aside all the voices of human reasoning, you know, and logic. Logic would have said stay. 
And even though it was a struggle, it was a fierce battle. I mean, you have your home. We had a home on the street we always wanted to live on. Always desired to live on. And finally got to it, stayed there seven months and had to leave. Think about it. Worked so hard to get to that point, got to that point, and all of a sudden we got there, stayed seven months, and had to go. Pack your bags and just get out. And it's like you're saying, everything we ever wanted in the natural in life was right there. And all we had to do was just let things flow. Stay with it. And like I said, in the natural. See, some people think, well, yeah, you probably left because the mill shut down and, you know, there was no work. No, that's not the case. As a matter of fact, it was a booming business at that time. But you see, God knew what was going to take place in the future. And so I just listened. And instead of going what logic said, instead of staying there where I felt as though I could have been more secure, I chose to do something that in the natural seemed foolish and wrong. Just forget it and start all over again in life. Go back to making minimum wage part-time to support your same family. Oh, that sounds like fun. You want to do that? Would you like to do that? No. No one likes to do something like that. Well, give up all your benefits and everything else and just go somewhere else and relocate. You know, and just start over again. Well, no, see, logically speaking, I didn't want to do that. Reason didn't want me to do that. But something on the inside said, if you don't, you'll be in trouble. You ever hear that voice? How many of you have heard that voice? If you don't, you're going to be in trouble. Well, you know, acted on the, the voice of the Spirit, the witness of the Spirit, did what God would have me to do. And then sometime later, then the mills all shut down. So if I'd have stayed there, I would have lost my job. And, you know, it just goes on from there. But that didn't happen, so I'm not looking to that. So the first thing to do is make a decision that you're willing. Everybody say, I'm willing to do what God would have me to do. See, it may be that he's not going to tell you to do something against what your desire is. You may desire to do this or do that, and he may be in it. But you see, you've got to be willing to give it up if he wants you to. Can you see that willingness is a condition of the heart and mind? This doesn't necessarily mean that God's going to tell you to do it. But be willing to give it up if he wants you to. Secondly, he said, let him deny himself and then take up his cross. This is the sanctified will. The taking up of the cross is not what so many think today. It's not your burden to bear. Someone says, I have this huge, humongous problem in my life. And you know, it's just God's will because it's my cross that I am to bear. That's not what taking up your cross is implying. Taking up the cross is sanctifying the will. The unsanctified will says, I don't care what God says, I'm going to do it my way. But the sanctified will says, even though I want to do it my way, I won't do it because God wants me to do something else. And so what I'm going to do is have a sanctified will... And discover what it is that God would have me to do with my life. It's not my will that I want done, Lord. It's your will. And so I'm here to discover what it is you'd have me to do. And don't be afraid to say, now, Lord, I just don't know which path to take. Now, Lord, I don't know what direction you'd have me to go in. Do you want me to go off from high school into college? Want me to go to a trade school? What is it that you'd have me to do with my life? You want me to stay off for a year? And uh, maybe just develop spiritually a little bit more? You want me to go off to some Bible school somewhere? You want me to go on a missionary trip somewhere? Maybe to get my feet wet and all that? Whatever it is you have me to do. I don't know right now. Don't be afraid or ashamed to get before the presence of God and say, I just don't know what to do, Lord. That's why He's there. He is there to answer our questions, provide solutions to our problems. Amen? 
And if we'll just go before His presence and say, Lord, here I am again. I just don't know what it is you'd have me to do, but I'm here to discover it. You said, seek and ye shall find, so I'm seeking. I'm seeking. And what happens is, beloved, when you're of a sincere heart, on the inside of you, something will begin to build. How do you know that, you say? Because He gives us the desire of our heart. If we trust Him with all of our heart, seek His face, He'll place some desires within us that are representative of His will. Desires that represent His will for our life. He'll cause our thoughts to become agreeable to His will, that our plans are established and succeed. Proverbs 16, 3. Amplified Bible. It, that's what it says. He will cause our thoughts. Say that with me. He causes my thoughts to become agreeable to His will. That my plans are established and succeed. See, beloved, it's like a walk in faith. It's not a walk in darkness. We may be groping about in darkness, but as you're out there in that darkness, what gives light? The entrance of thy word giveth light. At the end of the school year, I had an option. I had a choice. I could have stayed at Ramah for one more year. That was the first year they offered a two-year course. I could have stayed there one more year and finished that, you know, the second-year course and then asked the Lord what He would have me to do. But you see, at the end of the first year, what I said was, I finished what I knew to be your will for my life right now. That is the first year here at Ramah. Now, Lord, what is it that you would have me to do? I don't know the exact you know, action I should take. Well, now, logic would have said, you've worked like a fool. You talk about work. In one job, I had stayed up all night long, then fought to stay awake in Brother Hagin's classes, you know, trying to keep your eyes open to study. Then had to go home and study and try to get a little bit of sleep if you could. Two or three hours of sleep was all you'd be getting. And then you had to go back to work, work all, that, you know, all night again, go to school in the morning, try to get some sleep and study and all that. It was intense for the whole year. At the end, my body was saying, sleep for three months. Please. You know, something to that effect. It was May, June, July, and August. I'd have slept, hibernated a little bit. Then gone, went back to school in, in the fall. But that's not what the Lord said. How he says what you want to hear, right? Pack your whole bags. Now, Lord, we just moved here one year ago, a thousand miles across country. And, and some stuff is stored here, some stuff is stored there. Logic says take a break. Rest a little bit. Don't go moving again. How many of you love to move? <laughs> no, but the voice of the Lord came out of me saying, go back to Ohio. You know he knows Ohio. How many of you know that God knows the state of Ohio? <laughs> Go back to Ohio. See? Got to be willing to do what? What he said do, even though your flesh doesn't want to do it. And the flesh did not want to do it. Did not want to go back to Ohio. Did want, didn't want to go and relocate once again. Well, actually, I wanted to stay there for another year. But he said, no, go back in, to Ohio. And we did. And one step at a time is how God leads us. If we'll take that initial step, then we're walking in the light. See, there's darkness all around us. But you know what? For those nine months that I was at school at Ramah, I was in the light. You know, it feels good to be in the light when you're in the light. And I wasn't concerned about the next step because I was in the light. But when that step came to an end, and now I had a decision to make as to what I was going to do, I needed more what? Light. Right? Because now I'm at a place of darkness. I don't know what to do. So I need some light to dawn upon my heart and mind. And that's what I asked. And he said, go. Go back. All of a sudden, now I have the light again, don't I? 
So you see, you walk in the light until you come to a place you've got to make another decision, and then you go to God, and then the light will come again. And so, packed up our bags, moved back to Ohio, even told God, you're going to have to provide some money for us to get back because we kind of spent it all, you know, here. Gave up everything and all that. And there's just too much detail to get into. But he did. He actually had somebody send us money who didn't like us. (laughs) And who wanted to see us fall. And then when they wrote a letter about it, they said, we don't even know why we're giving you this. Said, I do. Because I told God, you want me to go back to Ohio, you've got to provide the money. You know, you can get bold like that with him. If that's what your will is, you've got to provide the way. And so I'm looking to you to provide the way. And he did. See? And he'll do that for us if we're willing and obedient to do what he would have us to do. And so that light came. Went back to Ohio. Got back there and started to do what my hand finds to do. He said, well, what are you supposed to do at that time? Because now you're back in Ohio. What are you supposed to do? See, your mind says, stay in Tulsa. But your heart says, go back. And so you go back, and now your heart says, now you're back. What are you supposed to do now? So you need more, more light, more direction. Well, what you do is what your hand finds to do. You always fall back on the general revealed will of God. Just start working and supporting your family. Your mind says, maybe I'm going to start preaching somewhere in some church or something like that. And, you know, you get back there, and you don't preach in churches. You paint churches. I started painting churches. That's what I did. Because you've got to put food on the table, Right? And so I thought, here I am. You sent me all the way from Ohio to Tulsa to come back and paint a church in Ohio. I could have done that before I left. I was doing that before I left. But then I started preaching a little bit, you know, helping out with the youth group and and that sort of thing. And then the Lord spoke. Well, actually, the pastor spoke and said to me, there's a church down there in Midland. And said, would you like to uh, go down there and hold a meeting for the people? I said, yeah, I'd do something like that. And would you like to candidate to be the pastor of that church? And I said, no. He said, no, I just got out of school. I'm just back here painting churches. I'll help you out, teach a Bible study here and there. But I'm not qualified to pastor a church. That's exactly what I told him. I said, as a matter of fact, I'm telling you, we're sitting in his office. God would have to speak to me in an audible voice for me to go and pastor that church down there. Or even candidate for a church anywhere. And, you know, something cute to say, you think. (laughs) Well, it was more than... (laughs) Because, you know, we're driving down the highway and all of a sudden this voice comes out of the back seat of the car and says, You will be the next pastor of that church. You ever get shaken by the voice of the Lord? I mean, I looked in the back seat. I looked under the seat to find out who said that, who's hiding somewhere. It was that loud. That's how loud it was. And I said, oh, my. I said, did you hear that? And Jan was sitting over there. She said, no. I didn't hear anything. I said, did you hear that? The Lord just said, I will be the next pastor of that church. You talk about sweat. I'll be honest with you, I wasn't willing to do that. I didn't want to do that. I'll tell you this too. You keep taking one step at a time, you're going to get another step. But are you ready for this one? You ever hear the voice of the Lord, your God, like that? The task He has for you is enormous. Did you hear me? It is enormous. Someone says, well, I wish that happened to me. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, I'd rather be sitting back there somewhere just saying, Jesus loves me. This I know. <laughs> Amen. Hi, sister. Love you. Hi, brother. God bless you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. He speaks to you in an audible voice like that. You're in for some trouble. I know that. There's a task he has for you to do, and it's going to be a lot of work. No doubt about it. But it is his leading and direction for your life.
I'll tell you, when you, show the, when you show God that you'll do what He wants done, He's going to give you something to do, keep you busy. But as I was saying, just one step at a time, you've got to sanctify the will. I didn't really want to do that. I didn't want a candidate to be a pastor, but I just said, well, that's what the Lord said, and that's what I'll do. See, and so very often what you're actually going to be doing throughout your Christian experience is not doing your will and always doing His. And when you ever find yourself stopped doing His will and you're doing your own, it's time to repent and get back to doing His will. And that's true. But stay in the light. What revelation you have of the will of God for your life right now, stay there. And don't change unless He says change. And that's a rule. I would have not left Tulsa unless He said go. I wouldn't have left Ohio unless He said go. You know, and that's exactly what we are to do. No matter what. And so where you're at in the will of God, stay there until He says go. And if He doesn't say go, then stay there. And as long as you stay there, you're within, in the light, you're in the will of God, and just keep on doing it until direction comes. But always stay before the Father in, in consecration, saying, well, Lord, I'm still available to you. I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I am yours. And the light will always come. And if He doesn't say anything, just keep on going with the flow. So the first step is to deny yourself. That is self-denial. Secondly, take up your cross or sanctify your will and line up with the will of God. Ask Him to show you the way. And thirdly, and this is extremely important also, and follow me, Jesus said. Notice that verse 24, the latter part. And follow me. Who are you following today? Pastor who? Evangelist who? Prophet who? So many are out there in the body of Christ following others, following men, following those that are supposedly called and anointed of God. You know, and it's wonderful to, to a certain degree... You know, to follow someone, just like Paul said, be followers of me, as I am of Christ. But primarily, who are we to follow, beloved? Follow Jesus. Jesus is our example. Whether it comes to service, serving the Father, or fruit bearing, Jesus is our example. And we've got to keep that in the forefront of our mind. No one else is our example. We look to others to be our example. We are in for a fall. Because every single one of us has frailties. We all have our imperfections. We all have characteristics, character traits, personality quirks, and all these different things. If we look to other people and try to follow them and set them up to be our example, we will fall undoubtedly. We've got to follow Jesus closely. We've got to look at His example. We've got to follow His way. Remember, He is the way. He is the truth, and He is the life. And even though many obstacles will then try to stand between us and success, if we continue to look at Jesus and keep our eyes on Him and not on others, then we're going to maintain a right spiritual attitude and a right mental frame of mind, a right mindset. You see, beloved, we've seen many fall, and we know that many more are going to fall. And you know what? Who is exempt from missing the mark? Is anybody out there exempt from missing the mark? Is anyone out there right now that you know in the body of Christ who under a certain amount of whatever pressure, of circumstances, could you say someone is out there who is incapable of missing the mark? There's not a soul alive today. You know, anyone can miss the mark. Anybody out there that you know right now you'll never miss the mark? Raise your hand. Because tomorrow or next Sunday you'll be ministering here. No, as a matter of fact, if we have that mindset, aren't we told in the Word of God, consider yourself lest ye fall? For he that thinks he stands, better watch out, 
Because we are all of the flesh. And so no matter who we are, we have the potential to miss the mark and fall along the way. Well, follow Jesus. Let Him be your example. Don't listen to others or don't hold others in such high esteem that if they miss the mark, you're going to fall also. Look to Jesus. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and focus in on Jesus. Look at His example. Look how He lived His life. Look at the things that He did. Look at the things He did not do. Set Him up as your example. And as you keep focused, as you look at His life, you're not going to fall. You're not going to be discouraged because He will never let you down. Amen? He will never let you down. So trust Him. Follow Him closely. And then verse 25. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And what he is saying is that there are two ways to go. See, very often we think that there are many ways to go. No, there's only two ways according to Jesus. There is the way of the individual's life or will, and there is the way of God. We can choose the higher life, or we can choose the lower life. Those are the two decisions we have to make in life. Will we choose the higher life or the two choices or the lower life? I believe that it is, is revealed to us in Matthew's gospel. Just hold your place there and look at chapter 7. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus spoke of this. In 7.13, he said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. You're at a critical point in your life, high school graduate. You're at a critical place in your life. It's at that time that many will begin to go in a direction apart from or away from the things that they have learned of God. To explore new avenues of life. Different challenges in life. In some cases, to to just get out there and sow your wild oats. Because why? I don't have to listen anymore if I go off away to college somewhere or whatever. You know, to my parents being there to keep my flesh in check. Tell me what is right and tell me what is wrong and all that. You're at a critical point and place in your individual life. There are many temptations out there in the world. There are many conditions out there in the world that are not conducive to your spiritual environment and your spiritual growth and development. And as you set out and have a wrong mindset and begin to explore all that, wide is the, is the way. Notice this. Enter into the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way. It's wide and it's broad. Many voices, many influences, many decisions to be made out there. Many ways to go, one way, but, but many choices along that way. And so the whole idea that Jesus tried to get across is, look... In verse 14, straight is the gate and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. The higher life is this way. He is the only way, truth and life. It's going to Jesus, denying yourself, taking up your cross and sanctifying your will and following him. And saying, I know that this is what you would have me to do with my life. Although I want to do this, I'll choose to follow you. That's the way he's saying we are to go. And so, beloved, we can only do that for ourselves. High school graduate, we can't make you do that. I, as a minister, can't make you do that. Your parents can't make you choose to continue in the way of life. As a matter of fact, 
You look at Deuteronomy 30, God Himself can't make you choose. He says, I have placed before you life and death, blessing and cursing, good and evil. Choose ye life. He is the one influencing us or wanting us to choose life. But that's up to us. You can continue in the way of life or you can depart that way of life and branch off into this wide gate area where there are many choices that lie ahead. But God is saying, don't do it. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. Many times I have wanted to, and you will want to also, when you're in the will of God, walk away from the will of God. Because of the pressure of circumstances. And someone says, oh no, not you. It doesn't matter who you are, beloved. I said, keep Jesus as your example. It doesn't matter who we are. We're a robe with human flesh. And under the pressure of circumstances... And all the pressures of life that we are confronted with on a day-by-day basis and the strategies of the enemy, if we're not careful, if we're not spiritually minded, then we can be entrapped and ensnared by the tactics of the enemy. And you know that. And so no matter who we are, you'll be tempted to. Now notice the word. You'll be tempted to walk away from the will of God for your life. And many have. You know, and many have come back. But many have walked away from the will of God because of the pressure of circumstances And, you know, situations that we encounter in life. There's no question about that. And you'll be challenged all through your life, no matter who you are. You're not exempt from that. Someone says recently, but, you know, this way is so hard. No, the Bible says the way of the sinner is hard. If this way is hard to the Christian, can you imagine how hard it is to the sinner? Yeah, but they look like they're having it pretty good, living high off the hog with their covetousness and the way they go about getting things. We're not to look at that, the Bible says, because that is not the end of life. This life is only a part of life in which we live. Because the end of that is destruction. Total damnation. You know what? That's a hard way to go. Very hard way to go. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way, which leads to life. And few to be to find it. Find it in Jesus. You won't find it in Confucius. You won't find it in Muhammad. You won't find it in anything or anyone else. In alcohol, gambling, you won't find it in sin. You'll find it in Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And He's the only one that can provide us the things we need to be successful in the life that is to come. Look to Him. In verse 26. Going back to Matthew 16, 26. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory... I'm sorry. For what is profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? There are two choices, two ways to go. Graduate, be mindful of this. Be mindful of this. There are two ways to go. The higher way, the lower way. The wide gate, the narrow gate. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Well, what's the answer to that? What has he gained? I'm going to live my life the way I want to. I'm going to have wealth and riches in this life. I'm going to be successful in the sight of man. Men will see me. They'll envy me. They'll be jealous of what I have. I will be a success. I will have fame. I will have fortune. This is my goal. This is my desire. I'll become so successful that others around me will be envious of me. 
And many live that way. Many think that way. But you see, God doesn't want us to think that way. God is not opposed to our being successful. He's not opposed to our being prosperous. He's not opposed to our having, having wealth or riches or anything like that at all. He's opposed to us being full of pride. He's opposed to us being covetous. To go about getting the things that we want improperly. That's what he's opposed to. Well, what's a man going to gain if he chooses to gain the whole world? What's he going to profit by that? Hold your place there again. And in the 146th Psalm, we have some information that will help us. In Psalm 146, I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified Bible. Beginning at verse 1. It says, Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Verse 2 says, While I live, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God. Will I have any being? Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no help. When his breath leaves him, he returns to his earth. In that very day, his previous thoughts, plans, and purposes perish. Everything he lived for, everything he pursued, all of his achievements, all of his goals that he reached, in the day of his death, everything he lived for perishes. That is the end of it all. No eternal value, no eternal reward whatsoever. He lived the way he wanted to live. He gained the whole world with a fence around it. It all belonged to him. He built his own empire. He is happy. He is content. In the day he dies, all of his thoughts, plans, and purposes come to an end. That's it. Wiped out. He didn't bring anything into this world. He has taken nothing with him. Please go to 1 Timothy 6. Let's see the opposite of that. I'm saying this to you graduates because you're going to be tempted to pursue some things that may not necessarily line up with the will of God for your life. You'll be enticed to take a course in life that may not be the will of God for your life. I'm not saying the end of that course will not be wealth and riches because it can be because God will, might want you to fund the gospel and that's wonderful. And He's promised us a full life. What I'm saying is, you may get off the right track, onto the wrong track, and your life can be devastated along the way if you're not doing it God's way. In 1 Timothy 6, verse 1, Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and His doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them, because they are brethren. But rather, do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit these things teach and exhort. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, Supposing that gain is what? 
godliness. Didn't our first scripture say that godliness is profitable unto all things? Well, the mindset that says gain is godliness is destitute of the truth. Isn't it? Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the light. Well, if gain is godliness, if gain is godliness, can you see that? If gain is godliness, all those wealthy people that are out there with corrupt minds are living godly lives. But that's not true. From such withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Listen carefully. For we brought nothing into this world... And it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But they which will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money, not money, but the love of money, is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Hold on. We have so isolated that text, we've taken it somewhat out of its setting. What's he talking about? It will be a fight for us to maintain a godly lifestyle. It'll be a fight for us to stand against the wealth and riches of this world and say they will not control us and the love of money will not dictate to my life. It's always a struggle in the fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Stand firm in what you believe. And as you pursue godliness, godliness will produce great gain. But the way you get that gain will be through a proper channel. So that's why he's instructing young Timothy. Fight that good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called, hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give charge, I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickens all things. And before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality dwelling in the light, which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen, nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Did you get that? He is saying right here, it's not wrong for one to be wealthy. It's not wrong for one to be rich. It's not wrong for one to pursue those things if he is pursuing those things within the framework of the will of God for his life. But if you are rich in this world, then don't be high-minded. Don't trust in uncertain riches. But trust in the living God who will give us all things, richly all things to enjoy. So God is not withholding anything from us. He's talking about a mindset, an attitude of the heart. That they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, 
willing to communicate. In other words, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come. What time is that? That they may hold on to eternal life. What time is that? Going back to Matthew 16. This is that time. No matter who we are, this time is quickly approaching all of us. Matthew 16, in verse 27 again, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of His Father with His angels. Well, let's back it up to verse 26 again. For what is a man profit if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? He's talking about, would you rather gain the world and all of its possessions? Or would you rather just keep your soul? Choose the way of life that you want. For the Son of Man, this is the, de- the time he's talking about. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. And then he shall reward every man according to his works. What did he say to Timothy? Be rich in good works. Distribute. Communicate. Live the way God wants you to live. And then there'll be a reward. Not only will you be rewarded in this life, but also in the life which is to come. Not only can you have great gain in this life, wealth and riches in this life, success in this life. But if we do it God's way, we'll also have wealth and riches on the other side. Treasures in store for us in heaven. Rewards that come from the throne of God. And so Jesus is coming in the clouds of glory. And then he shall reward every man according to his works. He is coming again. And our main objective in this life is to see to it that we live to store up treasures for ourselves in heaven. We make investments in eternal things. Young person out there, you can get so caught up in just what you are to do with your own life. We can forget or neglect the fact that we are to live to store up treasures for ourselves in heaven. Because we represent more than just one life. One realm of life. We also have to consider eternal life. Our eternal destiny. Look at Matthew and chapter 5. And Jesus said, it's in chapter 6, I'm sorry. Chapter 6 and verse 19, Jesus said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What you're making deposits in, that's where your heart's going to be. If we're so motivated to get earthly gain and to become rich that way, then our heart's going to be dominated by that. Our heart's going to be in it. But if we want to do it God's way, our heart will be thrust into that. Both can result in the same thing. You can have great, you know, you can have great gain in this realm of life. That's been proven without serving God. How many of you know that? And I tell you what, in a lot of cases, it's probably a whole lot easier. If you think about it. But when you choose to serve God, you follow a different lifestyle and a different plan. But still God can, like I said, make us rich in this realm of life. But also we are rich when it comes to the other life. Now let's read on. 
The light of the body is the eye. If, the, if therefore if thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee is darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God in riches. We can't serve God in riches. God has to be first. And we must lay for ourselves, store for ourselves up treasures in heaven, so that when we leave this realm of life, there will be those rewards. You can't serve from your heart two masters. We are married to Christ to serve Him and bear fruit unto God. And if we'll do that, great will be the rewards that we have even on the other side and in this life because godliness profits us in, in every realm of life. Well, if that's our main objective, what are we going to inherit on the other side? I want you to look at Proverbs. We have a few more scriptures. Chapter 3. To show you what you will inherit by making these investments of your time, effort, and energy in this realm of life. You see, it takes a lot of time to go to college, to get a degree and all that, and then begin to, to work, to become successful and all that. It takes a lot of effort, time, it takes a lot of energy. Well, beloved, that's true. But it also takes time, effort, and energy to involve yourself in the things of God. And apply yourself to the things of God so that you can, in the end, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. What is that treasure going to be? In this life, we do it so we can have a nice nest egg at the end of, the, of our lives, retirement, and we can just sit back and just enjoy the rest of our lives. But, you know, I remember Jesus telling a story about a man who did that. He built bigger barns and worked harder and filled them all up. And the moment he got all of his barns full, he died and all that he had worked for was left for somebody else. Jesus called him a fool. No eternal gain, no eternal value. And you know what? Now, he can't even enjoy what he stored up. Remember one fellow when I worked in the mill, gave all his life to the mill. The mill was his life. Had a wonderful sized nest egg when he was to retire. Came to work on retirement day, punched in his time card in the clock the last day. Fell over dead right there. Right there. Thought he was ready to live. Thought he was ready to live. He died. Who enjoyed it? His kids. <laughs> right? <laughs> I guess you live and you die for your children, don't you? <laughs> well, Proverbs 3.35 tells you what you'll inherit. The wise man will dig deep, lay his foundation upon solid ground. He'll live for God. And the wise in Proverbs 3.35 shall inherit what? Money. Fame. Prestige. Huh? What will he inherit? Glory. If that doesn't excite you, your spirit's not excitable. The wise shall inherit glory. Not an essay, but glory. But shame shall be the promotion of fools. The guy who stored it all up was called a fool. What was his promotion? You were promoted to shame, sir. But you, the wise one, when you die, you're promoted to what? Glory. You inherit glory. This fool inherits shame. I'll show you that in the scriptures. 
Look at Daniel chapter 12. How do I do this? Well, look at Daniel chapter 12. You'll see it. How do I lay up for myself treasures in heaven? How do I store those things up there? Daniel chapter 12 gives us an inkling, an idea. The wise man and the fool. Graduate, you can be wise or you can live a foolish life. You can be promoted to shame or glory. The choice is up to us. Daniel 12, 2 says, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth, those are dead people, shall awake, notice, some to everlasting life. Those are the ones that will be promoted to glory. And some to shame and everlasting contempt. Daniel 12, 2, that is. Some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. The fool shall be promoted to shame. Now listen to the next verse. And they that be wise. Now we see who the wise man is who inherits glory. Who inherits glory? And the wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. That's glory. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. The wise man, the Bible says, he that would its souls is wise. The one who lives his life to demonstrate his good works and represent his father in heaven so that men can see his works upon this earth the one who promotes Jesus in this life who lives for God who does things God's way he will be promoted to glory and he'll have a glorious resurrection but the other one who is considered the fool will be promoted to shame another way is found in Matthew 25 and in Matthew 25 we'll close it right there another way you can inherit glory and be promoted in the other life. Matthew 25 tells us how. Beginning at verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory. Remember that He said that in Matthew 16. He's going to come in glory and reward those that live for Him. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory and the wise shall inherit glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. He shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was in hunger, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. Naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hunger and fed thee, or thirsty and gave you drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? And when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto, the, unto one of the least of my, these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say also to them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. I was a hungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in naked, and you clothed me not, sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when, when saw we thee in hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it not to one of these, uh, least of these, you did it not to me. Notice he didn't say, my brother. And thee, and thee shall go away into everlasting punishment, 
but the righteous in their everlasting life. You think he's talking about just food? Just food and clothing? Beloved, I believe he's talking about feeding people with the Word of God. Clothing people with the righteousness of God. Giving them, quenching their thirst with the Holy Ghost. If any man thirsts, let him drink. I believe he's talking about living for Jesus on this earth. That's what he's talking about. And looking out to a sick and needy and dying world and letting them know that there's a solution to their problem. Live for Jesus. Let your light so shine among men that they'll see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And if you're persecuted for righteousness' sake, what does Jesus say? Great will be your reward. You want to have a great reward? Live for Jesus. Graduate out there, live for Jesus. Live for God. Do it God's way. He's the way, truth, and life. No man will come to the Father but by Him. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.